Demons Discuss, take 51, the one with D and the tree. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello! Hey! Hello! What are we talking about today, Angela? Shadow of Night, Chapter 24, The Magic Continues, Diana's Magic Continues to Unfold, and we are there to witness it. Yay! And we were just talking about how good a chapter this was. We totally forgot. It's been a while since we've been yeah. in this chapter. So, yeah, I had fun doing this one. Well, There's- I ad- I admitted to that these goody magic chapters, I kind of just went, ah, yeah, this is all fine and good. Where's Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> the first time. Now I'm all in uh, this time. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but there's so many things that are packed into this one chapter that I just yes. didn't realize. It's like, wait a minute, that's this chapter too? That? Oh, and that yeah. too? Oh, yeah. It all kind of melded together right here. And I think, Angela, you said this is where everything took root. Liter- yes. Literally. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And figuratively. Mm-hmm. And figuratively. Yeah. Okay, so this podcast is sponsored by listeners like you, not by, oh God, there's a new one I heard of. It's like a stamp service where, you know, <laughs> you log in and you get your stamps online. Okay, so we're not, yeah. Stamps.com? You knew? Yeah, oh, that's we... what it is. <gasps> yeah. Never. Blasphemy. That's right. You can't never, not on this podcast. Not that's ever, right. ever. That's right. Not, not even for free mail scale. That's right. <laughs> even though as tempting as that is. So we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> we're anti-sponsoring them. Yes. I'll say no to stamps.com. <laughs> Full disclosure, my husband works at the post office. Okay. <laughs> we are actually sponsored by our patrons. They don't want to listen to ads, and frankly, we don't want to read them. Nope. And it's really just that simple. Since our patrons allow us not to have ads, what do we provide in return, Gene? We provide the after show on our off weeks. So not only are you getting demons weekly, you'll get swag. As the levels go up, we've got things like stickers and totes and whatever Valerie dreams up. Yay! And you know what? All tears get to do the demon roulette quarterly yes. giveaway we do and that's pretty cool and that's yeah, pretty, pretty new cool. yeah so. and um this last demon roulette we gave away a signed copy of the book of life so our winner sarah is going to be all set for our chapter review on book of life when we get when there we get there <laughs> cool <laughs> so you know hey give us a try two bucks two bucks a month that's not a lot that's a lot less than a starbucks or tim hortons like the cup this is true. just got, right? Yes. Aww, Thank you, Lisa. Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. I love mine. Mine's awesome. I like mine, too. I like yours, too. I'm using mine right now. So ah. mm. Okay, so we're not advertising for <laughs> Starbucks Tim or Tim, Tim Hortons. Hortons. <laughs> we're just thanking Lisa for our lovely gift of uh, the Canadian caffeinated treat up there. Yes. Okay, so if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. And we're going to go roll in to discuss her emails. Who's got something? I do. I have one. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> Duel it out! <laughs> yes, exactly. Come to the hay barn, Jean. <laughs> Go ahead. That's fine. Okay. Mice from Chi. Hello, Demons Discuss. It's been a while since I reread this chapter. I laughed out loud when I saw the quote, how to train a dragon in your email. Here are some of my thoughts. Chapter 24 is loaded with interesting events and it would be so great to translate to film. Let's see Diana get to hang out with Goody Alsop and the other witches to 
learn her magic. We saw her fire drake. There are some interactions between members of the School of the Night. There was a mousetrap, John Dee's library, and Mary Sidney's lab. I hope all of these rich materials make it to season two of the TV adaptation. I can't wait to see how the set designers tackle all these challenges. Hopefully CGI special effects would do Cora and Mary Sidney's experiment justice. This chapter would be visually stunning on screen. On a side note, I am glad to see Matthew trying to be considerate to Diana, like bringing her to see John Dee's library. I'm sure it was a daily struggle for 1500s math controlling Matthew. Mm. Thanks for reading my ramblings. Keep up the good work, Chi. Thank, Thank you, Chi. Thank you, Chi. Love that. All right. I have an email from Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Hey, <laughs> Chloe. says, woo, woo. Okay. Email, we go on the fly. Who doesn't want a pet dragon? Seriously. I love this chapter because Cora is adorable, all caps. There's also tension riddled through it underneath with Matthew and Diana. When this chapter ends, you can feel their desperation to resolve what is missing. Matthew, I really, truly love you, but God's sake, you're an idiot. Ah! <laughs> okay, this was typed in a rush at university. I'm sorry for the lack of coherency. You're a vampire down under. Bye-bye, Chloe. Bye-bye, Chloe. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye oh, for now. Bye for now. <laughs> GBFN. Yes. yes. Well, I mean, we only had to discuss our emails because, you know, Valerie kind of slacked a little bit, but you guys will yeah. forgive me. Forgive me. Okay. So we're going to start... Yeah, I know. Bygones. We haven't said that in a while. Let's, let's put it this way. We, we, you don't necessarily need a prompt to write us. If you know we're going to be doing chapter 25, for example, next time you could always write it in ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. Or, in fact, if you're needy in a chapter, just put the chapter t- chapter number in the title of the email and send us your thoughts. Yeah. We'll put it aside for real. We are organized demons, believe it or not. That's, we have files. We have files. Lots of files. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, get in the wagon. Let's go. Uh, do we have snacks? We gotta have yeah. snacks. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yeah. Don't leave me at the bathroom. No. <laughs> <laughs> we have the bungee cords on the back, so we're good to go. Yeah. All right. So this chapter discussion is brought to you by Eric Ravensclaw. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. We left off in chapter 23. Diana 24. got a... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. we're 23. 24 yeah, now. Right. <laughs> no, you're right. All right. Oh, God. Sheena's in the bathroom when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I needed a snack. I'm not thinking Oh, straight. my God. <laughs> Throw her a fruit roll up or something. <laughs> okay. From the top, we left off in chapter 23. Diana got a great idea from Mary Sidney's wall mural. She added her blood to some fresh prima materia to try to grow a new alchemical tree in a glass because the last one was a big fail. And then we open up chapter 24 and the ladies of the Garlic High Coven are trying to give Diana a how to train your dragon lesson. The opening passage. Is it going to keep doing that? I stood frowning, hands on my hips, and stared up at Susanna's ceiling. She, Diana, your fire drake is female, Catherine said. She was also looking at the ceiling. Her expression bemused. What did you guys think of the opening of this chapter? I loved it. It's like, don't call it an it. She, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's a, a gr- she. It's a girl fire dragon, damn it. It's like, do they have a, anatomy lessons for dragons, for witches? I mean, how how would one know this? Uh, how do I know this is a she? You know? I, know. <laughs> I would imagine that it's even more difficult than trying to figure out cats. Yeah. It's the mascaret eye- eyelashes. <laughs> Oh, not even that that is these days an indicator. You know how they do babies? It's like when you have those bald babies and one's a girl, they strap on this freaking head squisher with a bow on it. Yes, yes. I hate that. (laughs) The little headbands with the flowers. It's like, 
I'm like, oh, my God, that poor baby's head. <laughs> All right. So Diana's been trying to weave a spell to contain her fire drake in her rib cage. Again, she's still thinking of the life she's intending to return to. Being a professor at Yale, where she's got human students. I mean, I get it. She doesn't want this dragon flying around. So she's thinking about this. Goody is just trying to get her to focus. Mm-hmm. And she's saying your fire drake broke free. The fact that your fire drake broke free is merely a symptom of a much more serious problem. She brings out the cords. And what did you guys think of these cords? What I mean, did you have any idea what they might be? Because it's no. the first time we saw them. No, but we're going to learn how to make them in 90 days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Sorry. I digress. Oh, so Goody Schools are telling her that the fact that this creature got free is a sign of much bigger problems. She's waving around the embroidery floss and it appears to be for Diana. And Diana's like wondering how these strings are supposed to help her. And she's getting really frustrated at this point. Well, what I loved is Cora was agreeing with Goody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen to her. Yeah. yeah. Cora was kind of like the, the tennis spectator where she would agree, like, you don't even know what that is. And Cora's like, you don't. And then Diana would say something. She's like, she's right. Yeah, <laughs> she's <know>? right. <laughs> I love how Goody just claps back at her, though. And she's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to use these embroidery cords. And Goody also like, um, what do you know about being a weaver? And then she's like, nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then Susanna comes up with some tea, I guess some uh, chamomile and mint tea mm-hmm. yes. to soothe the beast, as she puts it. And I'm like, OK, well, soothe the beast. And she was worried. I like the fact that Diana was worried. She's like, OK, what kind of tea are you fucking feeding me? Because yes. I've already had some problems with a right. damn tea. Yeah. yeah, I don't need another damn tea here. Right. Damn, damn tea 2.0. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then she wonders what plants went into this. How do you say that? Tizane? Yes. I would I would think Tizane. Tizane? Yeah. Tizane. And so when she tries to identify the ingredients, the tea starts sprouting all the herbs and spices. I love and, it. And I'm sure the witch is like, oh, shit, here she goes. Again. Oh, <laughs> right. And good old Susanna is more worried about her damn beaker than everything else that's going on. I know. My cups, my good china. <laughs> Like, oh, clutch my pearls. Shout out, Susanna. I, when I review these chapters, I listened to the audio. So Jennifer Ikeda's portrayal of Susanna, is, it's like I have a Pavlovian response because when Susanna appears, it's like, ah, oh, she does it perfectly. <laughs> Susanna should have been named Karen. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Mm-hmm. So Catherine points out, she's like, it's as I said, when Diana asks a question, the goddess answers it, causes a mess and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, Susanna was worried about her cup. Goody Elsop and Catherine had kind of put their heads together and figured out the secret to her power this way. So Goody Elsop identifies a difference. Well, actually, Goody Elsop prompts Diana to identify the things she's done in the past. And she brings up the white table, Ashwell 782. Mm-hmm. She was curious who wrote the spell in Susanna's grimoire and the likeness of her dead grandma came <laughs> yeah, up. You know, the spell comes all in days. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll fix it when I figure out how. Sorry. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't know how I'm going to fix this, but I'm going to fix it. I'm sorry about your spells. 
But here's a picture of your grandma, though. I know. What do you guys think? I mean, the whole idea that her magic is curiosity fueled is just kind of a frightening concept to me at this point in time. Because it's like, oh, man, she can be a bigger hot mess than Matthew. Sometimes Diana, when she's wondering about things, right, when she wonders about things, though, she reminds me of a five-year-old who skips from place to place to place when in their thoughts. It's like, why is this? Why is this? Why is this? And if you can imagine a five-year-old and if they had magical ability, all sorts of shit would be happening. It's like, will you stop? We will get that. Get to that. I can see see why Deb chose this mode, though, because questions are so important to her. I mean, she says the importance to historian is formulating better questions. And then she had Goody in previous chapters say it's a dark day when a child doesn't ask questions. So I can see, I mean, as a teacher, as an author, as a historian, it's questions are so important. So I can see why she worked this in as part of Diana's magic. Right. Mm -hmm. They ask her, okay, what was it like when she called the witch water? And they concluded after examining the events that Diana is not fully present unless she's protecting someone or she's forced to face her fears. When she protected Matthew, that's when she Mm -hmm. had to be in the present. And that's when her magic was focused. And we need to put a pin in that for future reference. Mm -hmm. Right. Or when she's forced to face her fear and when she stops being scared of shit and she just knows she has to react, that's when yeah. shit happens. So when she doesn't have the luxury of fear. Yeah. When right? she doesn't have time to ponder over it and say, oh, my God, and second guess herself, I guess. Yeah. OK. So apparently her problem is when she's thinking about her past or caught in her emotion, she's not here in the here and now and not focusing on the task at hand. And I guess these weaver cords are supposed to help her. So not no, unlike like prayer beads. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not unlike um, the athame we brought up in our last chapter episode or a wand or something mm-hmm. for the witch to focus on. So for yes. her, it would be like the weaver cords and it gives her the colors and it, it's kind of like training wheels. This is what you yeah, need to do. That's a great way to put it. And then they talk about not making making the knots for the spells. Did you guys have any? I had no inkling of this, you know, no. not of one, not of two. And it was like, mm-hmm. wow. What, what, oh, and it just makes me want to see it in the TV show. Yeah. I can't wait. And I never did really well with knots and Girl Scouts, so there's that. <laughs> you, not even a square knot? No. Square square knots I could do, but when you started getting more complex and sailing with a knots, fisherman's knot and all that. Yeah, the more complex I wonder if they stuff still do, do that or they, do they just sell cookies? They don't Angela? learn knots. Yeah, they don't learn knots. <laughs> really? Do they learn how to make a fire no. anymore? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they learn all that stuff. And especially if you go to camp, it's like next level kind of stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. As far as I know, uh, Harlow's never shown a knot. Really? Yeah, because I was going to say there used so. to be a badge for that. We went through first aid training. We had to make like a yeah. gurney. Well, not a gurney, a freaking, you know, the sling. A sling. No, not a sling where you carry one person. It was part of her like Girl Scout camp games where you had to make a blanket. Oh, and um, um, uh, two sticks. A stretcher. Yeah. You had to yeah. make a stretcher yeah. and like carry one girl like 100 feet down there and she had to climb the tree and then boil some water from the fire. Yeah, I don't know. There's like, we're wow. like, we're really veering. Anyway. You guys had like, <laughs> well, no, because this is like Girl Scout camp for witches, weavers. Yeah. I don't think right. we're veering right. that far. She's learning her basic skills and yeah and she's learning a disguising spell and I had no idea what this was either when I first read this no no, no it's like a disguising spell what is she disguising no. yeah well and that's the other thing I mean is she dis- can other people see Cora when Cora's where she belongs in her does she walk around with a fire drake stole people can other creatures can see At it this was point, weird it's like, too yeah. 
it was weird to think of Cora because when she mm-hmm. came out, it's like she was transparent, but yet could become fully corporal. I think it's really up to Cora, Cora. or Diana. <laughs> She's like, Cora. you can see me. No, you can't. You know? yeah. Wasn't well, that what Deb had said a long, long time ago that Cora is whatever size Diana needs her to be? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like she's the size of a lamp. I, I don't know why I remember that, a size of a lamp. But then when she comes out of Diana, that she can be larger than life. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and the, I mean, we'll get to it in the Book of Life, but that whole sequence with her and Gal class, which is so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's trying to focus her intentions with these cords and she's working on this disguising spell and the form of protection was purple was its color, but there was no purple cord. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, without delay, the blue and red cords rose up and spun together and it looked like a purple cord. So apparently you can mix and match your cord, you know, little things. And then she's doing Mm-hmm. her not so you're right it is kind of like girl scout camp yeah and uh, i love the fact that that we get another clue about the color of the cords and, and the fact that purple is associated not only with the goddess but with protection yeah mm-hmm. so. so she starts with the knot of one the spells begun she's looking up at the fire drake fire drake's changing and i didn't know whether the fire drake was part of the disguising spell or whether it was this a combo spell because goody was trying to get her to get cord to get back inside of her and create a disguising spell. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah, now that you say that. Yeah. So she gets the knot of three. The spell is free. And then sighing with relief, I dropped it into my lap and from my mouth came a gray mist finer than smoke and hung around me like a shroud. I gasped up in surprise, letting out more of the eerie transparent fog. So this fog, I assumed when I first read this was her disguising spell. Mm-hmm. And do you think when we first met Catherine, right? Catherine's the fire witch, right? Yeah. The thrice Mm -hmm. born. Okay, so when her third eye opened, Diana's third eye, she saw this fiery witch. But when it closed, she just saw a very muted version of Catherine. So do you think Catherine had a disguising spell? Yes. You know? Yeah, I think so. All right. And Diana can see disguising spells. Do you think? Maybe it's a weaver thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after she does all of her not spells, you know, she just she gets this disguising spell fog or whatever to cloak her and then goody talks her through the process of getting her familiar to stay with her which eventually the fire drake does it goes back inside of her and she says she feels like it's leaning against her ribs so that's done yeah so so we've got girl scout camp and dog training (laughs) (laughs) now my question is does diana earn her merit badge by the end of this day (laughs) and did she use a clicker Clicker training. <laughs> Clicker training is good. Except for the, except when you're not coordinated like me. Well, I mean, it got to the point where my kids would fuck around and click the clicker and Rowler would be like, err? <laughs> Oh, pour them across the house. And I'm like, now you have to give them a treat. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. It's cruel. I had to hide it from them. Okay, so she, uh, after all this is done, she's done with her cloak lessons, her training her dragon lessons. She's feeling good about herself when she's walking home, all safe and cozy in her disguising spell. And then she opens the door and fucking kit. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, or just kit. <laughs> or just Kit. Kit. Anyway. <laughs> he's not that bad in this chapter, though. No, he's not. Okay. We uh, find Matthew in there, um, and we're noticing a pattern because he's going, good Christ. Right. Yes. yes. 
And Matthew's taking Christ in vain again. And it appears like he's seen all the Amazon packages on the stoop, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not real happy about that. Yeah, this one came with a bill instead of just shipping shipping invoice. Yeah, I was saying he doesn't seem to buy the packages. Not a shipping uh, slip. You notice Amazon doesn't put the invoice in there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got smart. I know. I was like, can you stop doing that, please? Anyway, Kit is kind of making fun of her purchase a little bit. And then 15 pounds for a mousetrap. And Diana's, she put it in perspective because she realized Mary's servant, Joan, makes only five pounds per year. Oh, my gosh. So this is kind of an extravagance. Yeah. <laughs> and then she finally breaks down. She's like, I'll pay for it out of my own money. And then Matthew's like, no, no, I'll pay for it. If only I can make fun of you for the next 60 years. And I thought that was cute. <laughs> I know. I mean, the whole back and forth was so funny. Even Kit was funny. He's like, wow, if you that, got that much money cured, let me go do an alchemical experiment and turn this gold into wine. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I know, I know he was just being snarky, but I'm like, oh, my God, Kit. Just go outside. No, <laughs> well, funny. Kit would be a patron for anyone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I should say it the other way around. Yeah, he'd take anyone as his patron. So Matthew takes a look at this mouse trap and he's like, uh, "Silver gilt and engraved too." Matthew said, turning it over in his hand. After looking more closely at it, he said, "He swore." I don't know what that. How to say that in Latin? Anybody want to take a chance at it? Ars longo vita brevis. 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 Art is long, but life is short. Indeed, which is kind of if you're catching a rat poor yeah. rat oh my god <laughs> and, and I love the description of this thing it kind of made me think it was an Elizabethan Warner Brothers cartoon <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, so tell the, me what I mean my comments aside tell me what you guys thought of Kit in this exchange I thought he was kind he was kind of calm for Kit I mean he had he dialed it back some for him right I just thought yeah he was like a snarky Kato Kalen you know still hanging around as the house guest doing his work yeah drinking the wine eating the food and here comes Diana so I gotta can't stand her but I don't have a choice at this point yeah yeah I'll interact I mean he, and he didn't take any yeah I mean it's not like he really took a shot at her which was different for him I would say it's not just Diana that triggers him that's Kit yeah that's yeah. true and Diana's like hey I was trying to get rid of all the rats and Matthew came back when he had a point. But, you know, Diane, I get it. I've been on crazy Amazon buying Jags, too. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you could have just gotten a couple of cats. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've convinced myself that, yes, I do need that. And I always get excited when the package arrives, like it's Christmas. Like I did. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you show us your cart in the process. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. Oh, my God. What a racket Amazon is, though. I mean, they make you feel like it's Christmas when your box comes, but you paid for it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's like, it's like talk about Pavlovian response. It's like, woo, <laughs> Christmas. Uh, so Diana's feeling a little bit buyer's remorse and, you know, and she offers to pay for it. And Matthew's like, no. No, I'll pay for it. I just need to, you know, be able to make fun of you for a bit. So that was cute. Yeah. And I, I love how Matthew's like, well, did he, we, since you were talking about clocks, does it strike the hour too? I know. <laughs> like, then he, he starts getting into it. It was yeah. cracking me up. Yeah. I'm just feeling for Diana. It's like, I wanted to do a good thing. <laughs> I thought it was a good I idea know. at I the know. time. And it, was, <laughs> but, and it was Nicholas Phelan. Why not? I know. And then enter George. He's got news. And then Kit again. Poor George. Jesus. I know. 
Oh my God. And then I, what I love is how Deb just stuck in, stuck in that nice little lesson about Elizabethan publishing right in there with all of Ponsonby. Ponsonby yeah. and the, her, his translation of Homer and all that. Yes, the Homer, which actually I think was done. It took another six years, maybe. Wow. For him to finally get that finished. Well, and then he also finished off some of Kit's, was it Hero and Leander he finished? Yes. So he was kind of busy cleaning up Kit's mess too after yeah. Kit, mm-hmm. you know, shuffled off to the great beyond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, in with a bang, out with a bang. He's just that type of personality, you know. Yep. And I like how George handled it. He said, not even you will dim my pleasure today's achievements, Kit. Hmm. And then he looked around and he's like, well, none of you are at least a bit curious. Because, you know, I don't think people pay attention to poor George. No, poor no. George. It's like, come on. He's, uh, I love him in this. And then he drops a bomb. I found Mistress Royden's manuscript. Come on, guys. This is big. Yeah. I feel like he would have been texting everybody modern day, like I do, when you guys are not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention, guys! <laughs> or, or he could have done a, a passive-aggressive uh, Facebook post. Yeah, they, I found something totally valuable today. Vague book. He'd be vague booking, for sure. That's right. Yes. That's right. He would. <laughs> so Matthew's, like, freaking out. He's got Diana's very expensive rat trap in his hands, and it snaps because he can't control himself. And he's like, where?! George is like, whoa, dude, whoa. And he's stepping back. And Diana's trying to calm the situation. She's like, I knew you'd be the man to find it. And George is like, I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Somebody appreciates me. Right. He says, your confidence means a great deal to me, Mistress Royden. And he's like, not everyone shares it. And Matthew's like, where is it? (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes on. And we were talking about a mutual friend of ours who kind of goes on and on and on. And you just want the bottom line. So we kind of feel for Matthew right here. Right. He says, in the most obvious place imaginable, hiding in plain sight. I'm rather surprised that we did not think of it straight away. And then Matthew is like, come on, just tell me. He's frustrated. And then Kit says, George, Matthew's been known to bite. So. And then he blurts it out. Dr. D has it. Mm Mm-hmm. I did that. I found it. So Dr. D is apparently the queen's astrologer and an alchemist. So it's kind of big. Kit says he's just a human and an utter fraud. He goes on to say, I wouldn't trust the thing he says, Matt. He used poor Edward. Uh, <laughs> really? We're going to yeah. go there, Kit? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Forcing him to peer into crystal stones and talk to angels about alchemy day and night. And D took all of the credit. Pairs that everybody's going to join in because here comes Walt. And he joins in the conversation. He's like, poor Edward. Your demon friend led him by the nose for years. Dr. D is well rid of him, if you ask me. And Walter picked up the rat trap. He's like, hey, what's this? I love it's just I like everybody. It's, like, yes. it's like the clown car. People just, instead of getting out, it's like, these guys just keep like floating in and it, and it's just almost like a comedy routine at this stage because then everybody's like picking up the mousetrap going, hey, what's this? And Di- if I were Diane, I'd be like, I'm going to the other room. I'm done. I was like, uh, like- Hal is, is so sweet and innocent and he just rubs salt in the wounds unknowingly. Yeah. <laughs> what's this? Oh, why would someone make it out of silver gilt? I know. This is, this is such a curious thing. <laughs> and then Kit, you know, and then Kit, the, Matthew, the, the goddess of the hunt has turned her attention to smaller prey, Kit said with a smirk. So he's smirking. 
smack that smirk off his face. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Matthew, he's just frustrated at this point. They get to talking back and forth. And now Matthew has had it. He crashes fists on the table just to refocus everyone. George, finally, he's like, I visited the book stalls, but there was no information to be had. I know. It's It's like, okay, first I bought the flower at the Tom Thumb and then I paid for it with dollar bills instead of my debit card. Right. I know plenty of people who tell stories like that. And it's like, I asked you the time, not how to make the watch. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) And then they go through this whole thing with George. George is telling the whole story. The trail eventually led George to Master Platt, who Dr. D had the book from the Emperor's Library with uh, strange pictures, apparently. You can't say anything about anyone, though, without someone interjecting their opinion on them. I know. (laughs) Platt is as bad as Will. (laughs) And so Matthew and Diana look at each other. They're like, huh, you think this could be it? And Diana's like, yeah, it could be. They plan to go to D's house and Diana insists on going and um, don't ask questions, okay? Don't ask questions. But I forgot this part. She brings up Dr. D's death and freaks Kit out. Like, what about Dr. D's death? Because she's just reminding everybody she's a time walker and she knows all these things Mm -hmm. and she's freaking them out. And Kit says, D's death. And how did the good doctor meet his end? Mistress Royden, Marlo asked softly, his brown eyes nudging me. You know, in that second when I read it, I was like, the unasked question was, what's going to happen to me? Yeah. That's what I felt. Yeah. As he was curious. Yeah. Because he just dropped all the snark and then his nudging her with his eyes a little bit, which you've never heard her mention like a demon kiss or anything like that from him before. Because it was like, "Mm -mm." yeah, I think it's about him. But I think it's also one more straw before it breaks the camel's back on how afraid he becomes of Diana. Yeah. And that's that's a motivator because he thinks that she could be, I mean, whether he spins it out of control or not, he thinks that she could be the one of everyone's demise, the cause of everyone's demise, because she has these unknown powers that he doesn't really know too much about her. Yeah, she is an unknown entity. And from what he's seen, he's not liking and he hasn't made a friend to her. So I would be suspicious that she'd be trying to end me. Or in a way, you know, or she put a spell on me. But luckily, Henry's deaf and he didn't hear that whole exchange. So he breaks in. (laughs) Luckily. (laughs) And he just skips over Kit's remarks. He says, I will ask to see it. It will be easy enough to arrange on my way back from Richmond in the Queen. And Matthew just lets him know you might not recognize it. And Matthew's ignoring Kit, too. He's like, that didn't just happen. (laughs) She's like telling Matthew. Diana's says, you didn't see it either. So I have to be there. So, you know. (laughs) And then Matthew's like, I was planning on taking you. Just don't ask questions, okay? And come on, how are you going to tell Diana that? She's going to ask the questions. That's just how she is. Do you think that he's saying don't ask questions for magical reasons or because he doesn't want her to stand out more or both? I'm thinking, you know, um, because your magic gets wonky when you do. Well, (laughs) and I'm also thinking, too, is that, you know, she might say the wrong thing and pique Dee's curiosity and then set a whole different, like, oh, wait, they want this book? Hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. What did I miss? I need, uh, you know, and pique his curiosity, which would probably create all sorts of problems. And Walter's like, her not asking questions. Good luck with that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We need more Walter Raleigh. (laughs) Because he's just like gives no fucks. 
As much Domenico as we got in season one, we need that much Walter Raleigh in season two. Oh, my God. It's on our wish list. Totally agree. I totally agree. Our wish list is getting big, guys. (laughs) If you don't ask, you don't get. That's true. Off to Mort Lake they go. Diana describes it as a hamlet between the Queen's Palace and Richmond. And they get there via Henry's Barge, which was rather a civilized ride compared to Gal Glass's rowing. (laughs) (laughs) Luxury. And they sent a letter ahead because apparently they wanted to warn them to get their shit together. Maybe pick up the house because they had a ton of kids. Yeah. I mean, it's only polite to let them know. But that's what I took it as. Their house is just chaos because of all the children. Well, <laughs> and, and come to find out that Mrs. D is not exactly the hostess with the mostess. No. <laughs> I mean, she puts on airs like she is, but then, you know, her the whole facade falls off. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah, she's overly defensive. Yeah. She's something else. I mean, it's like, oh, look what this person gave us and that mm-hmm. person gave us this. And she was very graspy. Uh, well, yeah, she's just trying to prove she's a person of worth. That's what I took. Yeah, it I, got, I yes. also kind of got the feeling she was fishing for something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't help think reading this or listening to this this time around of Deb saying that they were into wife swapping. D and oh, Kelly. D and Kelly. Yeah. Which is probably which would probably explain why she really hated his guts. Oh, right. Yeah, that that would. Yeah, that would explain a lot. So after Henry describes the household as chaotic, Matthew says servants have been known to throw themselves down the well. And Henry just cracks me up here. He's like, yes, that was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So Dr. D's waiting outside for them because I don't know if he's we don't know if he's escaping his wife or just, you know, giving her time to clean up either or he's outside and then Henry calls over the wall he's like Dr. D and Dr. D goes Lord Northumberland I trust you're in good health and uh, D's voice was quiet and raspy though he took care as most did to alter it slightly for Henry's benefit he removed his cap and swept a bow and I keep forgetting Henry's like uh, nobility he's yes. nobility <laughs> Nobility. Royalty, nobility. There you go. No, I like nobility. <laughs> nobility. That's right. It's a new demon term. It's like ovalty. <laughs> nobility. Oh, my God. I was, I was thinking about royalty and it just became a word. It's a fusion word. Fusion. I like it. I like it. I think I think we need to make it happen. Nobility. It's, it's going to happen. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so he <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> oh, I can't stop. Ooh. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Just checking the kids' homework while you are. Uh... <laughs> Make sure nothing's due Monday. Right. Oh. <laughs> so he tries to introduce Dr. D to uh, Matthew, and Matthew's like, Dr. D and I are already acquainted. And then he gives D a wolfish smile and a low bow. Why do you think the wolfish smile? Because he's Matthew and he's trying to intimidate somebody. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, he, and he's, a- yeah, he's a- after something. Right. And then he's like Master Royd and warily. Then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he, he's got one of two things on his mind when he decides to, you know, bust out that wolfish smile. Right. Yeah. And I think doc, if Dr. D is just a human. The other reason. So he's trying to intimidate. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. So D wonders if he's there, you know, on Lady Pembroke's behalf because he just seems to be looking for, oh God, more nobility looking for me, you know. Mm, but I'm, here I'm, comes I'm so popular. <laughs> <laughs> so hot right now. <laughs> All right. So uh, enter Jane D. And I have this little note from like years ago in here. It says after their marriage, Jane moved into D's home at Mortlake, southwest of London. They had a large household of family and servants, which Jane had a large role in managing, as well as frequent visitors who collaborated with John on a variety of experiments, which he conducted in their home. Jane and their children also traveled with D to Poland in 1584. I don't even know why I put this in here to work for Albertus Lasky, a Polish nobleman. She had a son while in Krakow waiting to join her husband in Prague. And uh, apparently they had a lot of arguments. There was a lot of problems. I wonder if that kid was his. (laughs) (laughs) The timing seems odd. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a weird marriage. Maybe you you kept that because it was talking about his time in Prague. Maybe. I'm thinking maybe. I just just think back then we had a lot of notes like that because you didn't know if it was going to be useful later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got I found a whole file full of stuff when I was packing up of odds and ends of stuff I printed out that I thought might be useful. Right. I, I also put down here that it said we know a great deal about Jane D because of the detailed diaries and records kept by her husband. D recorded interactions between himself and his wife, arguments and many details of their household, such as details about daily life in a 16th century woman is extremely rare, but the way he detailed his life with Jane was even more rare. So this is a man keeping track. Oh my God. I don't he was mansplaining his marriage. <laughs> All right, what he was keeping score, man. Actual <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> He's keeping score, man. Wife swapping <laughs> and that? What? A- <laughs> I'm gonna have to look more into this, man. <laughs> man, <laughs> I really want to bitch slap John D right now. <laughs> So, uh, Dee brings out the fact that Her Majesty was generous to us this Christmas. He twisted his caps in his hands. Jean looked at up, up at him sourly. We had thought, but it is no matter. So, I guess he's thinking that the queen would have threw him some coin and I guess she stiffed him. I don't know. <laughs> Elizabeth was famous for stiffing people. And plus, I think that was probably one of the times where there wasn't a hell of a whole lot in the royal treasury to begin with, which is right. problematic. So Henry's trying to smooth over the situation. He's like, yeah, delightful, delightful. That's great. Okay, move on. (laughs) But Jane's not letting it go. She's going, my husband's library is esteemed more than he is. And then it says, Jane said (laughs) sullenly, Jane said sullenly, our expenses while visiting the emperor were extreme and we have our many mouths to feed. The queen said she would help, and she did give us a small reward as promised, but promised more. I don't, I don't actually blame her. I mean, she's trying to set up, you know, if you want to look see at my husband's library, it's going to cost you. But she is being a woman of the time, trying to feed her family mm-hmm. and trying to make money off of uh, valuables that she has. You want something? It's going to cost you. Yeah, it's like getting invitations to those fucking destination weddings, and you're expected to go, and now you got to pay <laughs> oh, for a hotel. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you hook? Can you hook us up? 
<laughs> I like the how she said the library is more esteemed than he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you might not think much of my husband, but his library is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so Matthew steps in and he's like, Her Majesty does not forget those who have given good service, Matthew said. It was a blatant untruth, but everyone was standing in the snowy gardens new. But it went unchallenged. No one's gonna challenge Matthew. He's no, just he's, and no one's no one's gonna say that about the Queen. Not after he flashed his wolfish <laughs> smile. Right. Yeah. So did he pay her? Yeah, he gave him some cash. So 20 minutes spent inside of the D's house proved that its master and mistress were representative of that peculiar breed of married people who bickered incessantly over perceived slights and unkindnesses, all while be- remaining devoted. It's like, I love this person, but don't get me wrong, but they, <laughs> they're they so cheap. You know, They always preface it. It's like, ah, uh, I don't mean to be rude here, but and I'm I love this rude. person, but I'm about to be rude, right? <laughs> so what did you guys think of his library once we finally got in there? I love the description. And I, I would love a library like that. I like the idea of having workspace on top of all of the shelves. And yeah. I have to imagine it was quite something for I pictured the day. it more hodgepodgey than... I did too, just just because of D as a person. Okay, why are we getting that impression though? I get the impression that he's a demon, but that he's clearly a human because they say he is. But I thought he... I just pictured him demon, demon-like. Um, right. You know, kind of like Harlow's desk, the mad scientist. There's <laughs> all these miscellaneous things right. that are on there. Yeah. And she, you know, you could just... Or like a, a Timothy. Spoiler alert, but like a Timothy. Yeah, I'm just wondering why my mind played those tricks on me and what why it conjured this picture in my head of it being hodgepodgey and what about it? And maybe it was all the kids and the harried wife and, you know, a house like that is never clean to me. So. May, maybe, uh-huh. well, us uh, aside, it's my house with kids and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hodgepodgey and pile management. Right. And, hey, right. I, you know, I remember some, this is not too far removed from the kids being in my house just being everything was in piles it's like yeah so maybe i just projected myself onto john d maybe yeah i think that's it i think that's it so the lot of books and um she goes my god and then d looks at her like oh what what what's wrong and matthew's like my wife is overwhelmed master d she has never been to such a grand library and i hear i'm Which, thinking it's hodgepodgey <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't quite understand the the description so i find it interesting gene that you love the description but yeah what did you get out of it when, let's let us see it from your point of view well, yes when diana's looking at it you know you walk into the room and, and how all of her expectations were wrong. She expected this big light-filled room. And, and the way Deb describes it, you, you really felt like you were there because she kind of captured what it would be like to have to work in an Elizabethan library because you've got these not very much light and poor light and space management. And she really kind of created that feeling of claustrophobia in a way. Right. Yeah. And and the fact that, you know, here is one of the most esteemed minds in Elizabeth's England and even his library, which is better than, which was better than both Oxford and Cambridge's. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, do you think for the content or the grandeur? Well, I, well I, Diana's reaction. Well, for both, I think. Well, not the grandeur, but I think it's like the content. Okay. I, I think, yeah, I think the collection and the fact the, that it was a working library. And the size. It wasn't just yeah. a collection to be, yeah, to be seen, which, and bonus, by the way, because anticipation of us recording this uh, chapter, I posted early this morning, Deb's inspiration for John D's library. 
on Twitter and on Tumblr. Oh, awesome. Oh, guess I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jane says the Emperor Rudolph's library is very fine. Even so, he was not above stealing one of John's best books. And the Emperor took advantage of my husband's generosity. And we have little hope for compensation. John's trying to calm her down because, you know, we have company. Stop acting up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah. These are people yeah. with money. They may help us out. And so John says, his majesty did give us a book in return. And then Matthew's like, which book is that? And then Dee says, a rare text. The wife is freaking out because it's nothing but gibberish and naked people. Still <laughs> <laughs> ah, the There you go. Fucking Voynich. But Diana's thinking, oh, God, this is Asheville 72. It has to be. And then um, they show people. her this book. <laughs> and it's not like Jane is a prude. No. Well, no. no I mean, she's in the wife slapping. How could she be a prude? <laughs> <laughs> so Dee brings her the book and Diana's like, nope, that's not it. And Jane is like, see, there's not but meaningless words and lewd pictures of women in their bath. Naked people say. <laughs> Jane harumphed out of the room, muttering and shaking her head. So this was not Ashmole 72, but it was nonetheless a book I knew, the Voynich Manuscript, otherwise known as Yale University's Beinecke MS-408. The manuscript's contents were a mystery. No codebreaker or linguist had yet figured out what the text said, and botanists hadn't been able to identify the plants. Theories abounded to explain its mysteries, including one suggesting that it had been written by aliens. Can I put a little asterisk here? Sure. Demons have a copy of the Voynich manuscript and we'll give it away someday. Yep. Oh, and I've got a, another little nice little aside to add to all of that. Uh, okay. Deb's theory is it's a fake. What? Whoa. Yeah, that's somebody. <laughs> <My> that's drop. <laughs> yeah. And well, that it's like a, a 16th century fake that somebody created it to just fuck with people. Oh, so you. Yeah. So the. I the mean, it's, plants... an, it's, it's an old, it's an antique manuscript, but somebody just. Somebody did a spoof on a book. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So these plants didn't actually exist. There are some naked pictures in there, and all of a sudden it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the shiny objects are the naked people. Be distracted by this over here. <laughs> it's some crazy plants. Yeah. I mean, that aside, fake, made up text, it's still exquisite to look at. Maybe it's like science fiction. You know, they always have like the science fiction movies where they always have like the naked alien screwing with a traveler and, <laughs> <laughs> and the weird plants. Maybe it's like that. Maybe somebody was doing, you know, they had a fantasy book. I'm going to make a manuscript, but mine's going to be cool. Okay, she's looking at it and she's like, nah, this is not it, Matthew. And Matthew's like, no. And she's like, nope. Dee's thinking she's annoyed with Jane. Dee says, please forgive my wife. And Jane finds this book most distressing for it was she who discovered it among our boxes when we returned back from the emperor's lands. I had taken another book with me on the journey, a treasured book of alchemy that once belonged to the great English magician, Roger Bacon. It was larger than this and contained many mysteries. That's when Diana got interested because that was Ashmole 782. He goes on to say, my assistant Edward couldn't understand the text with divine assistance, though I could not. Before we left Prague, Emperor Rudolph expressed an interest in the work. Edward had told him some of the secret contained therein about the generation of metals and a secret method for obtaining immortality. So, 
D had once possessed Ashmel 72 after all, and his demonic helper, Edward Kelly, could read the text. My hands were shaking with excitement and I concealed them under the folds of my skirt. So she's getting excited because she knows mm-hmm. this is the book. I was getting excited too as a reader. I'm like, mm-hmm. here we go. Now we're going somewhere. Where's right. it at? <laughs> yes. So it turns out D had an assistant who stole Ashmel 72, but D's not ready to accept that yet because he, he's like, I don't want to blame my friend Edward. And Jane's like, fuck yeah, he did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not understand. I'm not understanding all the love. I mean, D's affection. Uh, he's worse about cutting slack on for his his demon sidekick than Matthew is. Uh, yeah, maybe he just didn't want to believe that of his friend because you know I know people like that instead of you know. Yeah, I know. Because I'm somewhat like that. I, I'm very forgiving. I'm like, ah, I don't want to believe that they would do this to me. But yeah, it turns out most time. Yeah, they did it. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Never know know what to do with that. It's like, really? So they're looking through the Voynich and they find chimeras. The leaves and the stems and the flowers don't match, but have been assembled from different plants. So, yeah, Jean, I guess you're right. <laughs> Somebody made this shit up. Mm-hmm. Diana says, what do you make of these? And she turns over to the astrological roundels that followed. Then Matthew says, these inscriptions are written in the tongue of ancient Occitania. I knew someone once with a handwriting very like this. Did you happen to meet a gentleman from Aurillac while you were there in the emperor's court? So Gerbert, holy shit. Yeah. My heart dropped. Re- oh, yeah. that again when I was doing this. But then I thought he really could show up in series two, 1590. Do you think? Yeah. Of course. In the TV show? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Diana Diana's like, okay, she was excited and now she's anxious. She's like, oh my God, had Gerber mistaken the Voynich manuscript for the mysterious book of origins? At my question, the handwriting of the center of the astrological diagram began to quiver. She clapped the book close because <laughs> yeah. Matthew did warn her not to ask any questions, even to right. herself, because her magic's a little bit crazy and wonky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dee was like, no, no. Gerber wasn't here or that guy wasn't here. I would have asked him about the famed magician from that place who became the Pope. There's so many truths hidden in old tales told around the fire. And that was Gerber. Mm -hmm. So... Wow. I know. It's like the idea of him over in Rudolph's court. We'll find out soon Oof. enough. It's like, yeah. It seems like Gerber was everywhere, though. Yes. Oh, everywhere. Oh, and they I always agree. missed him by like a second or not a second, but like a few months here and there. Right. So the trail was still warm. Yeah. So here's where we learn a bit more about Ashmole 782. Dee says, that's why I regret the loss of my book. It was once owned by Roger Bacon. And I was told by the old woman who sold it to me that he prized it for holding divine truths. Bacon called it the Virum Secretum? Secretorum, right? Yes. Okay. And then D, look wistfully at the Voynich manuscript. It is my dearest wish to have it returned. And then Matthew's like, hmm, he makes this kind gesture offer. He's like, perhaps (laughs) we can have it returned for you. Uh, He's so... So I can be of some use, you know? He's so altruistic that I know. Yeah. That's so nice of him. I know. Matthew offers, if you will permit me to take this book, I can try to have it put back where it belongs and have your book restored to its rightful owner. And then he pulled the manuscript towards him. And then Dee's like, I would be forever in your debt. So Dee's getting played left and right by all kinds yeah. of people. I'm like, really? That's, <laughs> it? That's it? That's all you're going to say? Oh, my gosh. So on the way home, Diana's telling him, what are you thinking, Matthew? You can't just pack up the Voynich manuscript and send it to Rudolph with a note accusing him of double dealing. You have to find someone crazy. 
crazy enough to risk his life by breaking into Rudolph's library and stealing Ashmole 782. Matthew comes back and says, if Rudolph has Ashmole 782, it won't be in his library. It would be in his cabinet of curiosities. Henry's trying to make sense of all this. So he's like, this Voynich was not the book you were seeking. George will be so disappointed to not have sold your mystery. Matthew says, George may not have solved it, Hal, but he shed considerable light on the situation. Between my father's agents and my own, we'll get Dee's lost book. And that just felt ominous. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit. So now that they're confident that they're on the correct road to get the book, they're waved in by... Uh, well, one of Mary's guys, anyway. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah, one of Mary's <laughs> yeah. guys. They're they're floating on the r- river, and um, Mary's guys like, "Hey, come over here." Mary needs to talk to you. So they rush in the house, and um, Diane asks Mary, "Hey, is it one of the boys?" And mm-hmm. she's like, "Nope, they're well. Come to the laboratory at once." They look at this thing in the beaker, and she's like, it's an altogether unexpected Arbor Diane. Okay, so this one was not silver. It had a dark trunk and bare limbs. And she said it reminded her of the oak tree in Madison that had sheltered them after Juliet's attack. Mary goes on to say, I used Diana's blood. And Matthew turned around. He's like, what? 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 Diana's like, look at the wall. And she's pointing at the bleeding fire drake. It's a gr- And then Matthew's like, yeah, it's the green dragon. What? Whatever. <laughs> and he's like, it's a symbol for aqua Fortis. regia. Oh, aqua. Aqua regia or aqua fortis. He said after giving a, a cursory glance, Diana's like, no, dude, look at it. And then finally a light bulb moment. And he's like, oh, shit. He's like, that's my insignia. And then he's like, oh, that's the dragon. Fire Drake, like your dragon. It's like and the, then- light, the light bulb is slowly coming on. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. He says, you saw the mural and followed your instincts. So Matthew opens up the vessel holding the new tree and uh, he bites his wrist and he adds his blood and Diana's like, wait, what are you doing? And then he says, following a hunch of my own and adding something to the Alembic. And Matthew lifted his wrist to his mouth, bit down on it, held it over the narrow opening. His dark, thick blood dripped into the solution and fell to the bottom of the vessel. And then we stared into the depths and then, oh shit, this thing starts blooming. Diana's like, look at that. As soon as Matthew added his blood, shit started happening and they're both staring at it like whoa okay what what the hell Matthew says this my blood made the structure of the tree and your blood made it bear fruit Diana's feeling her hollow belly like oh shit and I'm like whoa what what do you mean when I first read this I was like wait what what's this got to do with your hollow belly but then I remembered way way back with Mart's song it reminds us of this song you are the tree and branch where delights fruit ripen so you're the tree that's Diana Mm-hmm. I add my blood and now it ripens. Mm-hmm. That's why she was holding her hollow belly. Mm-hmm. So how long did you say it would take you to get Dee's book back? Oh, I don't imagine it would take very long at all, Matthew said. And then Dinah's like, the sooner the better. And she's like, hmm. That's where we end it. Oh, wow. Now we're really yeah, moving. That was a lot. Yes. I mean, there's a ton of scene changes in that one chapter, too. Yeah. For, I mean, if yeah. you're thinking about it from a script standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And setup. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot to take in because like at that very ending, you're like, oh, shit, this means a lot right here. Yeah. The, the fact that Diana added her blood. We knew it was going somewhere last time. Well, Didn't quite know where. Yeah. And we'll see in coming chapters that this is a hint that's probably going to tie into one or more of the prophecies 
especially the prophecy that we get in the TV show from Meridiana. Right, right. So, which in the books we didn't hear till the end of Shadow of Night, right? Which is Louisa. Right. In the tilt yard. Yeah, in the tilt yard. So. so anything else before we head into housekeeping, guys? Anything that you can think of? Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. All right. Let's go into housekeeping. Housekeeping is brought to you by Dora Flores Ryan. Hi, Dora. Yay. Thank you, Dora. Housekeeping. So... For this housekeeping, um, we kind of put the question out from our last episode. What is in that purple notebook? And we're just going to kind of address a few of these answers that we got in Facebook. Um, I haven't sent it out on our discussed email yet, but I will. We're going to save all the answers. Um, I think we had one discusser. Michelle sent in her answer. But uh, let's talk about the ones in the Facebook group now. Jean, who are you picking out? Oh, hang on a second. I'm bringing it up. It's Katie R. Katie had okay. a great suggestion. And let me get it. Da, da, da. Everything's taken. Ah. I think the imagery of Born in the Purple is pretty strong, though not sure who this could indicate. If gray equals city suits color was the other option, I put my money on ball. Baldwin, unless anyone can think of a character with origins in the Byzantine Empire. Mm. I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it. Huh. And she, then she goes on and she says, she checked my, I checked my copy of The World of All Souls and there's no Stasha entries. So her origins seem to be up for inquiry. There are a few Anastasias in Byzantine history with very vampirically obscure births and deaths too. So Katie, are we, are we sticking with Stasha as your guess? Let us know. Huh. She's not the only one that said that too. I know. A couple people said that. Angela, which one of those intrigued you as far as guesses? I don't, well, of course, I'm going <laughs> to go with Lauren because she went with me. That it, it's, She says most characters will be in play. Uh, the purple could go a few ways, but she said it was a choice between purple and gray, so it's not too much help. She seemed quite surprised by who showed up. I wonder if it has something to do with Sophie, Nathaniel, and Margaret. Um, just like Times Convert, I'm sure people showed up that she didn't expect, but yet they're surrounded by our current cast of characters. And, and the fact that she tweeted the other day that the current cast will never be out of any future stories. I don't know, but I go back to my, my feeling too, that I, it doesn't matter to me who it, who's in the purple notebook. I, mm-hmm. I'm almost like it, Harlan must get this from me because now when she goes to Starbucks, she doesn't get what she wants. She asks the barista to surprise her and make her something. And that's exactly how I feel. Well, yeah, that's kind of risky though. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, there are some, there are some conditions. I'm like only one shot of espresso. She is only a demon in training. Yeah, we don't need that. Uh, that's what I was thinking of. I'm like, your daughter bouncing off. The walls. It's like, no. I want a, you know, quadruple shot. <laughs> she can get a venti of whatever she wants, but it's always only one shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, I went with Dora because I seem to be going with my own wishful thinking because Dora says, I don't know why I'm hoping it's Mart. And I would love to read that story. What has Mart seen in her life? All the secrets she can tell. She Mm. knows all the good gossip. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could tell stories on everybody. If you just think about like the stuff she was telling at dinner in A Discovery of Witches in the book, where she was telling how Matthew flooded the the roof or he went somewhere to make war. Was it Italy? 
<laughs> he, and he forgot to collect the taxes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and then the pigeon pie. I mean, she's got like a long memory of things, like a whole big bank of things she can tell stories from. And I would love to just hear her stories. Oh, my God. Everybody could show up because she's had contact with everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I would also have to say that actually Jody and I share the same guess. I mean, my guess is Miriam. Miriam. And today, okay. um, today's episode or episode chapter gave me one more reason. I mean, the color purple is associated with protection. What was Miriam doing for all that time? Protecting, Protecting Matthew. Matthew. And oh. just some of the psychological connections to the color purple and, and it's feminine love. And, and I can't even remember now, but it all, it all really tied in to Miriam because I just don't think Dev said, okay, I'm going to use purple because this person, because of royal, you know, purple is associated with royalty. I think it's more than that. Although oh. with Miriam being a clan head, she certainly is royal as well. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Um, I initially thought Baldwin, but, but he does fit into that protection thing, protecting mm-hmm. his yeah. own family. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I thought Baldwin. I, I just, it was kind of a gut thing, like, uh, Baldwin. It's got to well, be she Baldwin. Said Baldwin she said, the only reason I'm not saying Baldwin is because she, she made a tweet a while back saying, you know, he's he's had a lot to say lately. And I got all excited. And then she's like, you know, Gene, slow your roll. It's not his book. <laughs> <laughs> and not so many words. Oh, okay. 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 So she basically said, it's not Baldwin's book. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I don't care. I'd take any of them. I know. Any I mean, so, same here. I mean, I'm doing this. I, I threw this out there to all of our listeners more as a way for us to entertain ourselves. I know. You know what's interesting? And I, I obviously it's not going to be a book about Matthew because we've already had that. And but there's also one sitting aside, in that black notebook that's not done yet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you. Mm. Um, but purple from a Catholicism standpoint, it's interesting that signs do point to Matthew, although that is not my guess. That is not what I think the purple notebook is. But I just thought it was curious that mm-hmm. uh, it's associated with Advent, which is preparation, Lent, mm-hmm. Sacrament of the Sick, Sacrament of Reconciliation, which Matthew does a right. lot, and All Souls Day. Huh? Right. But all this speculation, I, I hate to be like the whip blanket, but in her last, very last Facebook Live, she does say, well, those were the colors that were available. I know. So it's not that deep. Tamp down your meanings, everybody, audience. Mm-hmm. Even though it's lovely to think it's about fun. the colors and the associations yeah. and it's fun yep. that way. Well, the colors that she did have available, I mean, they all seem to be very suited to who they ended up associated with. And I mean, Gala yeah. Glass is teal green and Matthew is black and right. Marcus is red. Right. Even if those were the colors that were available, it would be something conscious that you're going to write about this person in this color. I Uh think somebody said in the Facebook group, Hamish, which would be very interesting. Yes, that was was Terry. Yeah, from like a a demon's point of view, because we've had a witch's point of view. Uh We pretty Mm -hmm. much have the vampire point of view. So, I mean, let's hear from a demon from their point of view and how they see things. I like that. I think that would be really cool. So... Yeah. Okay, guys, audience out there, if you have guesses, okay, we play the game. Kind of, play the game with us. We don't know that it's going to mean anything, but it's fun. Right. We kind of committed to our, ourselves to a little mini giveaway. So what we'll do is we'll collect all the answers, and the person that gets it right now, if there's more than one person, it's going to come down to random dot org. We'll pick out of the people that had the right answer, but we will give away something. Prize to be determined. I don't know. We have a lot in our prize closet, so our, our prize. Co- Closet keeps growing. 
I know. It's kind Angela of Angela just really revealed that she's got the Voynich. And it's fine. <laughs> and one of, one of our lovely patrons and discussers has also sent us a couple of fun surprises to give away this summer. So more on yeah, that later. Neat. So, I mean, participate. Just email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Become a discusser. Go to demonsdiscuss.com and fill out the little form. And I will send out a blast email. Say, hey, reply to this and tell us who you think that purple notebook's about. And only when Deb reveals who it is, that's when we'll calculate it down to who had the right answers and then we'll do a random pick out of those people that picked the right answer. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yes, we always have have fun. All right, so let's go on to save it for the show. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Yeah. All right. Save it for the show this time is brought to us by Creatures Rock. Thank you, Creatures Rock. Thank you, Creatures Rock. Thank you, you rock, Creatures. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I'm in in a mood today. (laughs) Rock Creatures. (laughs) You can make a comic book out of that. (laughs) I feel like I should be like waving my double horns. Like like it's a Motley Crue concert or something. Yeah. Uh Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right, this episode, save it for the show. The topic is female heroes. Go, Jean, yeah. lead us in this. It seems this seems like the week to talk about it. So many of the reviews of the TV show and whatnot are so complimentary of the fact that you've got Diana here as a strong woman, a strong hero, a good role model, uh, and that there are so many good female heroes in this show and in many others. I mean, the big one right now is Game of Thrones and the Battle of Winterfall. Oh, yes. And, and I guess my save it for the show is now we're starting to see backlash. Really? Yeah. Well, you saw a ton of it from the fanboys on uh, Game of Thrones, and it's even creeping into our fandom a little bit. Arya is the greatest of all time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's the goat. Yes. Yeah. She put the fucking time in. Oh, and, my I God. And I mean, we're sitting here in this book, and Diana's finally pulled her head out of her butt, and she's putting the time in. She's doing the work. They're doing the work. Give her the credit. Yeah. And I, I, I always see... Not always. I frequently see Diana referred to as a Mary Sue. And I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Why? Because she's a historian, because she's a historian like Deb. That's well, it, kind of a, it is, it, it, no. It's an accelerated story. So yes, things happen faster, good or bad, but she encounters a lot of stress, uh, tragedy and has to put in a lot of work to get yeah. to where she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see Mary Sue-ish tendencies where all the guys are suddenly interested, well, especially when with the gala glass thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course yeah, everybody was, wants Diana. That was like, that oh, was God. kind of Mary Sue, but yeah, but not from, not from her heroic journey standpoint. I don't necessarily no, think not she's for, very, no, not Mary Sue. Her story arc. No, absolutely not. In fact, I mean, the the amount of times that she failed. Yeah. 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 From the beginning to the end. And honestly, I think the world needs more female heroes like her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who who fail and, you know, they they get up one more time than they fall. Yeah. And they have to do it again. And Uh honestly, that's how you succeed. You I mean, success is built on a lot of failures. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And and I I mean, we may we'll touch on this in when we get to Book of Life. And yeah, I did feel there was some diminishment of some of the male heroes. But I think that was also a function of needing to cram 3,600 pages of story into 600 pages. 
lives. Right. Right. Because ultimately the story is about Diana. Yeah. It's Matthew kind of falls into the sidekick role in that story. In, in Book of Life, because he's there to support her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and we're so used to him, like in the first book, he, we were so used to him being taking charge and, and steering her which way or whatever way to get to her to her goal. He really did help her become who she is. Yeah. So, I mean, initial feelings like lizard brain aside, where I'd mm-hmm. have reactions and I'd be like, oh, God, you know, but if you look at the whole story arc, she was building up towards the book book of life being the ultimate. She had to grow into her role as this. And she does. uh, She doesn't just get dropped into her role. Perfect and fully formed. She had to fight for that. The scars, uh, you know, put up with Satu's torture for, you know, it's right. She she went through a lot. She 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 went through a whole lot. So I don't do you do you think it's more of a. Function of, oh, female heroes are, quote unquote, a trend. Um, It's just we haven't seen a lot of them throughout history. I mean, you'd see the outliers, do you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't. I guess my my lizard brain reaction to the whole thing is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We don't have an we don't have enough female heroes. And even in pop culture, I mean, I think Harlow's maybe Devin's, but definitely Harlow's generation is probably the first one growing up with female heroes, whereas like an anomaly. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't forget how much everybody freaked out when we were growing up because of Princess Leia. Yeah, was able to I fire do remember a, that. Fire a blaster. It, it, yeah, it was like, right. oh, my God. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned Harlow. Allegiance aside to Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, she she admires her for courage, for going what she went through. I mean, even, you know, being cheated on or whatever. She's like, I love her tenacity. I love her dignity. I love her. I mean, like all these things that we didn't think to maybe cherish so much right. in uh-huh. our day because we didn't have those role models. We thought beauty and, you know, skin deep things and not all the time. I mean, yes, intelligence and all that. Yeah. But she recognizes. Uh, bigger and better qualities of women and and seeing those and, qualities and it's in not, them. And it's organic for her. It's not, you know, that mm-hmm. it's just, and I, I really think that's because we do see more female heroes on the screen and in our TV shows and in our comic books. And, and look what the younger generation is growing up with. They've already seen, uh, in the United States, they've already seen a, a serious contender for a woman president. And mm-hmm. now they're going to see it again. I mean, mm-hmm. women running for president. And these are serious women. These are women with, yeah. with, with policy and they have plans. And we haven't seen, like, uh, I know in our generation, we really really haven't seen no, that. No. no. I mean, Wonder Woman, but what did she really do besides fly in an invisible plane and use her halo of truth? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or lasso of truth. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, she didn't... Um, it doesn't occur to, th- to them that, that it's out of the realm of possibility. Yes, I was going to say the true. most hero- heroic thing was the way that her her uniform stayed up without straps. <laughs> we got to work on that. The yeah. girls are still scantily clad. It's like, how do you protect yourself with that? And the guy's got all the armor and she's like sitting there in a freaking pretty much bikini. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we need more female heroes. I think we're getting them. Yeah. I, and I think yeah. the lizard brain, us too, you know, and we, each one of us had to fight through our respective yeah. career fields. I guess male dominated career fields. And we learned how to get along in the construct uh-huh. that we were raised in. I guess that I'm just really shocked that it's coming from our peer group that is like, well, you know, maybe this whole female hero trend needs to like calm down. I, I, I you know, no, it 
doesn't. No. It needs to keep going. I don't even have it, kids, yeah. but I want all the kids here growing up to just see it as it's not a female hero. It's a, you know, heroes can have boobs. Yeah. You don't have to have a penis to be a hero. <sighs> Just, you know, I mean, taking it back, why do you think this was? Why do, why do you think this is it because, um, you know, men are stronger, men are um, physically stronger um, men. So immediately they took on that role of the hero, the protector, the this, the that. Mm-hmm, yeah. So when females step out of that role, they're usually dressed down. Um, can only use one example. Nasty. You know, oh, Ma- it's yeah. like Mas- masculine traits from a woman are unattractive. Well, I've got a ton of them. <laughs> And under that, it's it's, it's just, I just know when I was coming up, I had to fight a lot of stuff and it felt extra hard because in order to be taken seriously, I had to make sure I couldn't fuck around at work. I couldn't fuck around in training. I didn't have that luxury. Meanwhile, I'm getting hit on by bosses and I'm getting, you have to deal with a lot. And I think people of our generation have been like, "Mm, I would say we've been conditioned to learn to work around these things where the generation after us, they don't know any difference. So they're like, why can't I be that way? Mm -hmm. Where we're like, this is why we have to act a certain way so we can get around and get what we want or do the things we want. So I think they handle it differently because they know differently. I think that's all it boils down to. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. Is that heroic? I think that's evolution. I I think change or die. Yeah, I agree. And I I think what really has to stop is people that just have to stop complaining about being a witness to evolution because no matter how much you don't want it to happen, it's still going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing constant is change. Yeah. Yep. So I, and people are resistant to change. I'm resistant to change. Everybody's resistant to change. But it comes a point where it's like it's going to change. So either deal with it or fight it. It's a losing fight. I don't like losing. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anything else to add to the saver for the show, guys? Nope. No, I, I think we squeezed it dry, right? <laughs> I think so. We tend to. All right. Stick around. After this break, we'll go to last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it, you're a discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! Now I'm just being grouchy. I know. (laughs) Anyway, any last thoughts, guys? I know. Uh, yeah, that's that is my last thought. I mean, are we gonna are we gonna get metaphysical or 
metaphorical manspreading in Shadow of Night. I kind of hope so. And I hope they get it handed to them on the, on a platter. So, yeah. So our uh, Shiro's discussion kind of carried on, you guys, into last thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So now we're wondering about, uh, yeah, manspreading, Shadow of Night. It's huh. going to happen. I hope so. I want to see Galaglass take up all the space and everybody getting annoyed with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! I know they're gonna. I know everybody's gonna get annoyed with the with the school at night. Oh. oh, well, if they if they are actually like how they are written, do you know? That yeah, but I, that's, I want them to be how they're written because they they need to be. I, I really well, don't want annoying, them. but funny. Yeah, I, I I think it would be funny to observe being Diana in that situation, surrounded by them. I would be nuts. Are you kidding me? Oh my no, god! No, I'm done with you guys. Oh, there, there'd be a lot of leave in the room. <laughs> like I'm yeah. done. It's like yeah. <laughs> I'll be in the room. <laughs> I'll be reading or something. I don't care really what Walter Raleigh looks like other than I want him to have really piercing eyes. I don't care if they're purple eyes, blue eyes, green eyes. I just want them to be captivating. And I just want him to have that delivery, that quick, not snarky, but that quick sort of like matter of fact. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Delivery where it comes off biting, but he yes. doesn't mean it is biting. He's just making a point. Yeah, right. Yeah. And whether it whether it's historically accurate, I want him to always have boots on. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I keep picturing three musketeers now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'd be okay. Oh, Costume department, funny. get on that. Oh. <laughs> Angela, do you have any last thoughts? That is my last thought. I'm going to just linger with that. <laughs> yeah. My last Walter thought. must have boots. <laughs> oh, just Walter Love. That's my last thought. Okay. So my last thought is, uh, yeah, so that heroes, Shiro's female heroes thing, apparently that touched us kind of hard. <laughs> we have shit to say about that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's something to think about. It's I blame like, Carrie Fisher. If you have an aversion to female heroes, I think it's more to do with yourself and how you were raised and your surroundings and your penchant for change than anything else. And I am a full victim of this. I It's like sometimes I'll see some of the newer politicians come out and it's like, oh, I have to pull myself back and say, no, you do you. You, yeah. you, you do you. You do your thing. You were raised a different way and a different de- generation. And I, I see it in my daughter, the way she approaches her life and what she does and things I would not have even thought of. She just does because she doesn't know that she can't, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing. You did good, Mama. Yeah, it's scary, though. It is scary. Um, Okay, so some more last thoughts. And this is nothing to do with the story or heroes or anything. All Souls Con, a few tickets left. Yep. I hope there will be a few tickets left if I say this. If not, then I'll put a little recording ahead of the it's podcast. It's a little less than 20 tickets left, I understand. Right. So I'll say something like, oh, I was kidding when I said that. <laughs> they sold out. <laughs> but if you didn't hear that, there's some uh, tickets left. And um, send your notebook guesses, guys, if you haven't already. Um, you can even send it SpeakPipe. I'll play it. 
I like that. Awesome. Uh, our, our Facebook group, there is an ongoing post uh, that we just read from. So if you belong to the group, make your guess there. Jump on. As far as our Facebook group ads, just know I'm behind in screening the applicants. Work has been really crazy for me. So I'm wor- slowly working my way through that right now. I don't want to add more than, you know, two or three people at a time because we want people to get acclimated to our group prior to adding a whole bunch of people, then you have a whole bunch of new personalities. So just three people at a time. We're just going to trickle people in. Uh, A couple of you have filled out the form twice. I I swear I'm not ignoring you. I will get to you. It's just a process. I've just been this last month. I've worked all night shifts and and it's not been sitting around either. It's been getting pilots trained. We don't even hear from her. Yeah. (laughs) I I go silent. I've gone silent, but that has ended. They're all trained now. And so now I can go back to demoning. Okay. Um, We actually should be thanking you for training those pilots properly (laughs) with some foresight. (laughs) Well, this frees up my summer a lot, you know, (laughs) because I'd be training them through July if we didn't get that out of the way because uh, we don't have a whole lot of nighttime during the summer. So you only have two, three hours of flying time to get them trained. So they'd be training through July. So this way it frees up time for us later on. Mm-hmm. See, I'm thinking of us anyway. See, not my, not that raise. <laughs> Just well, here, here, here I was going to thank you on behalf of America. Well, forget it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I am back in full demon mode, everybody. So thank you for understanding and thank you for your patience. I will go back to adding people to the Facebook group. And that's all I have. Super. Yay. Woohoo. I love when Jean says super. Just super. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be self-conscious about it. (laughs) And it was a genuine compliment. (laughs) I know. Angela, you can't throw out compliments today. We're just not taking them. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right, guys. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Demon kiss. And we'll talk to you in a fortnight, guys. Mm -hmm.